Do you have memories uh, through your life of times where you know, you're facing some sort of challenge and you're kind of intimidated by it, but something somebody said to you made the difference, whether they said, I am confident in you, or maybe they said, I'm confident, but what you perceived was they're not at all confident. Uh, sometimes our, your, your boss will say this to you. you know, he gives you some sort of like obviously impossible task and says, I'm confident you can do it. This is a gimmick. You know? uh, they, the, his goal is just to get you to do what, what he needs to be done. So it doesn't usually help us very much. Like, yeah, okay, well, of course you're going to say that, but whatever. But when parents or grandparents or spouses or brothers or sisters, when they say this to us and actually mean it, I'm confident in you. I, th I think you can do this. And it gives us a lot of power. It's really strengthening. And the difference, of course, is that um, they're not just trying to, to get us to do what they want us to do. They, they know us deeply. They know our strengths and our weaknesses. And with all of that knowledge, they say, I trust you. I'm confident in you. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Now, one quick note on this gospel, because you've, you've heard this gospel 10,000 times and probably 9,500 times. You've heard the same homily. Yes, talents. God has given you talents. Got to use them well. Don't waste your talents. That's great. Okay, that's, I've heard that way too many times too. So the, the, I just want to make this note. It, the talents, the word talent in the gospel is referring to an amount of money. It's 6,000 days wages. So... It's, in this case, it's, it's referring directly to money. It has to do with value and what is, what is precious in our possessions. It's okay. I mean, it's fine. It's good to interpret that as like the talents that the Lord has given us or the gifts that we have. Um, but it's just, it's just one way, and we actually want to go deeper than that today. So here's the question. What's the difference between the first two servants and the third? The first two... Why is it? What, what makes the difference? How, how come they immediately and eagerly, without hesitation, go to work, make the risks, trade to, to, to increase the money that they have been entrusted with? Whereas the third servant, why is he paralyzed? He doesn't even like try and fail and get discouraged and give up. He never tries. He is totally paralyzed. He's defeated from the start. The fear of failure has imprisoned him. So what's the difference between these? Well, what did the master do at the very beginning? He, re he reveals two things, okay? We find out in the beginning of the parable that the master knows his servants intimately and trusts them. Okay, he knows them, and you can tell this because he doesn't give them all the same amount or have the same expectation for each of them. Instead, he gives them a certain amount of talents that is exactly tailored to each of them. He's not expecting the same results or some sort of impossible goal, but it's actually like very personal and fit to them. It says he gave them according to their ability. So he knows them. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. And he trusts the servants. If he did not, he would not have given them any of his possessions. He says in this like entrusting with them before the journey, he says, I am confident in you. He has no doubts. He's not going to micromanage. He doesn't worry about them or their performance while he's away. He doesn't check in or like, feel anxious or, or anything like that while they're gone. He says, I've given you this. I've entrusted this to you. I'm confident in you, and I will not think about it again until I'm back. The first two servants, again, we're going back to this question. What's the difference between the first two and the third? The first two servants 
trust in the masters, trust in them. They believe in his trust in them that he has shown, that he has displayed. And so because of this, as soon as he goes, they eagerly, in freedom, even with joy, they take risks, they, they, they work hard, there's no fear. And in some ways, actually, it looks like the, 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 the situation is kind of rigged because there's no sign or mention of mixed results. For the two that tried, they succeeded like in an incredible way. So it seems like actually the gospel, for, for these servants, it's like anybody who tries succeeds, but the one who doesn't try at all, that's the failure. It seems a little bit rigged. Okay, so the first two, they, they trust in the master's trust in them. But the third ignores the trust that the master has displayed. The words, I am confident in you, just kind of bounce off. And instead, he clings to the idol of self-doubt. Okay, he believes more strongly in his inadequacy than in the master's confidence in him. It's strange, too, because he doesn't find out, I'm too weak to do this, because you have to try to find that out. He's just convinced of it. He grips it tightly. He clings to the idol of self-doubt where he says, I am too weak. And that like imprisons him. He, he can't even try. He's defeated from the beginning. What's interesting too is that um, you know, he's called the lazy servant. But I would say by the end of this time, and it says the master was gone a long time. By the end of this time, he is probably more worn out and exhausted than the other two. Because he hasn't spent these days in rest. He has spent them agonizing and worrying and trapped in this self-doubt. So he's probably expended more energy, actually, than, the, than the, the, two, the first two who were successful. But the biggest factor, the thing that separates them, the, the ones who try and succeed and the one who does not try and obviously fails, there's just one thing, and that is that the first two trust in the master's trust in them, and the third does not. So God knows us. And God trusts us. Intimately, God knows all of our circumstances and our character and our eccentricities and our heart and our strengths and our weaknesses. He knows the buttons that can be pushed or the triggers that we have or whatever. He knows us deeply, more, more deeply than we do. And God trusts us. God trusts you. It's like no mystery. We all know that like God has some sort of call. Maybe you could, sometimes we view it as like God has a demand from us. He wants something from us. But I don't know, for a lot of people, do you believe that God trusts you? Maybe you don't trust you, but God does trust you. He has entrusted you with what is precious, his treasure, that is your life and your responsibilities, and the call that he has, and the people in your life. This is like a, I don't know, this, this can be like, like an earth-shattering thing for a lot of people. Very often in confession, when people are just really beat down and discouraged, I just say two things. I say, God is not disappointed in you, and he actually is as confident in you as on the day you were born. His confidence has not been shaken by your sins like yours has. He entrusts you his treasure, your life, and he didn't have to. 
If he did not trust you, you would not exist. He doesn't worry or get anxious about you or whether you're going to be able to do what he has sent you to do. And his confidence is not lessened by anything. No failure, no, no sin in the past, nothing about your present circumstances. He, he's confident enough about you to boast about you. To say, this one, he or she, he belongs to me. Do you see how she, or, or he tries to imitate me? Do you see how she struggles against her sin or how he, he works to love me? He's confident in you and he, enough to, to boast about you. Now we can get stuck in fear of what is not real, just imaginary. Sometimes we just imagine a final future failure. And so we say, why even try? That's inevitable. Or we get stuck in one version, like one, one expectation of results. And this usually comes through comparison. You know, like we, we see what the Lord has done in the lives of others. And we say, I can never do that. I can never measure up to that. So why even try? But he expects something different from you than everybody else. He, he, what he's given to you is a totally tailored to you and extremely personal. But if we get stuck in these things, of course, then we get paralyzed also by the fear of failure and the clinging to the idol of self-doubt, and we'll never even begin. We'll never even try. So this is what it sounds like, actually. See if you find any of this in your own head. I firmly believe that my own waywardness and incurable selfishness are greater than God's power to forgive or heal or transform. My brokenness defeats the power of God's love. My sinfulness is too great a thing for the blood of Jesus to overcome. God is wrong to trust me. I'm too big a problem for Almighty God. Other people, he can do great things with, but me, not me. When we approach it in this way, when we give in to this, when we cling to self-doubt and, and reject God's confidence in us, then life and responsibilities they're an unfair burden. They're a punishment, maybe, because we just see ourselves set up to fail. And so we just live in anxiety and pressure and fear. Or we can trust in God's trust in us. And this, of course, is something that grows in our lives. It changes over time as, a, as the circumstances of our lives change. So for me, you know, like, okay, I went to seminary. And I had a whole set of challenges. I was able to trust in the Lord and go through them. But I thought, maybe, maybe I'll just be a failure as a priest. And I became a priest, became a parochial vicar, an associate pastor. And the same sort of difficulties, you know, like, will I be able to do this? Is this too much for me? I've got to trust in the Lord's confidence. And I found out, we, we, we can do this, we can manage. But I'll tell you what, both of those things are so much easier than being a pastor. And so the temptation, again, it springs up. Now, I have all this wealth of experience that says, whatever, whatever comes, the Lord, the Lord has brought me to this and he will bring me through it. But still, the temptation comes up that says, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe I'm not the right guy for the job. Maybe there should be somebody else here. Maybe in all my attempts or because of my weakness or whatever, all of this will go badly and it'll just be a tragedy. Maybe this is the wrong priest. So I bring that up because I think in every stage of everybody's life, the same temptation jumps up. Through high school, through college, if you're, if you're married, if, you're, if you've got children, we say, can I face this? This might be too much. But the truth is that all of these things, all these stages of our life, 
this is entrusted to you by God. And it can be, like I said, when, you're, when you become a spouse or a parent or a priest or a sister, whatever the Lord calls you to, he, he created you for this. And it's specifically tailored to exactly who you are. Trusting in God's trust in you and being more confident in God's power and grace than in our own strength and weakness, this is the attitude of, of all the saints. Okay, St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, he said this. It's very beautiful. This is a paraphrase, but he basically said, I do not have to know what my specific task is because I know that in the end, the Lord will achieve it in me. I do not have to know what it is. I don't, don't have to know of my success because whether it's in weakness or strength or success or failure or confusion or clarity, in all of these things, I can serve him. Basically, he says, I will not be afraid even though I don't know because I cannot fail. This is why St. Joan of Arc, she says, no, I am not afraid. And she had like this incredible, I mean, she's leading the armies of France. She's somebody out of nowhere leading the armies of France. She says, no, I am not afraid. I was born to do this. So this is what it sounds like when we trust in God's trust for, for us. We can say, I was long ago given everything necessary to accomplish my specific task, which is tailored precisely to my abilities and weaknesses and even eccentricities. The Lord who has given me my life has taken into consideration every aspect of my pitifully imperfect being. And I am provided with every means necessary to overcome all obstacles, above all the monster of self-doubt. My call is exactly suited to me. It is not impossible. It doesn't fit anyone else, but nobody else has to do it. It'll look differently and not exactly the same as others. In this way, when we trust in, in the trust that God has given to us, in his confidence in us, the way that he looks at us as his sons and daughters and says, my son, my daughter, I am confident in you. I'm not afraid about your future. Then life and responsibilities and vocation and the people that we're entrusted with, they become a gift. Everything is rigged for our success. Then we enter into an adventure without fear, but only boldness and risk and freedom and joy.